And welcome to Thursday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike Opelka with you on this October 13th. Thursday the 13th. It's scary, isn't it? No, it's not. Neither is Friday the 13th. But people do that. They make stuff up. It is 25 days until the midterms, and we have a lot to talk about as it relates to the midterms. Some of it positive, a bunch of it negative, and maybe those negatives will turn into positives. We will see. I have some announcements uh, starting tomorrow, Friday. I will be live on uh, radio in Fort Myers, Naples on 92.5 Fox News right all along. If you go to right all along, you will, in your browser, you'll find it and you can stream it, listen to it. I'll be there Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So that's four shows in a row and you can tune in and you can also call in and be a part of the show. It's uh, it's fun. We have a lot of fun on that channel. And we're going to talk about the recovery of Fort Myers, Naples, but as well as the news of the day that is from 5 to 8 p.m. Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. All right, let's get into it. Crazy stuff happening in our world. Absolutely crazy stuff happening in our world. But before we get to that, let's do the history stuff because history often predicts what's going to happen tomorrow. We have to say happy birthday to the United States Navy, which in 1775, the Continental Congress approved the building of a Navy. So happy birthday, U.S. Navy. A few years later, in 1792, the cornerstone was laid for the White House, kind of an important date, an important building. This is kind of cool and different. In 1921, a paper in Western Canada a newspaper in Western Canada, the Daily Colonist, wrote the term cold turkey in print for the first time that anybody has been able to track down. Of course, it meant that you were quitting something that you thought maybe you were addicted to, going cold turkey. First time it appeared in 1921. In 1967, the American Basketball Association, also known as the ABA, it was an upstart league challenging the NBA that started on this date in 1967. The first game between the Oakland Oaks and the Anaheim Amigos. That was won by the Oakland Oaks, in case you were wondering. That was the league where we first caught uh, a glimpse of the genius of Dr. J and the multicolored ball, which was always fun to watch. The ABA was then merged into the NBA not long after. There's a great story about the two teams that were not merged, and the people that owned those teams were given some pretty interesting options. You could either take a payout, or maybe you could take a little revenue share going forward. I need to find that story and play that audio of that. So let me put that on the list of things to get to. And on this date in 2010, 12 years ago, 33 Chilean miners were rescued. They had been trapped in a mine for 69 days underground. We didn't know if they were going to get out, but all kinds of people came together and brought all kinds of technology to enable us to keep those folks alive underground with air and water and food, and in some cases communications were sent down to them until they could be rescued. And when they came out, they all survived. All 33 survived, although there was one or two of them 
whose wives and girlfriends were waiting outside, and they may not have survived the uh, the trip back home after that. But they all got sunglasses from being underground for all those days. And um, I think book deals and an appearance on Oprah. All right, let's get to it. So much going on in our world today. So many things we have to cover ahead of the midterms. Uh, one of the things that I just absolutely cannot believe was yesterday Joe Biden was out promoting something that was really positive for the military, and uh, he went off script. I know how rare is it for Joe Biden to go off script. Joe Biden goes off the script and, and says something that is not just untrue, but it was ridiculous and embarrassing and silly. And no one on the left is calling for the 25th Amendment to be uh, brought into bear and maybe tell Joe Biden he needs to take a time out. Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. talking about his son, Bo Biden. Now, we all know Bo Biden passed away in 2015. He had brain cancer. It's a horrible, horrible disease. Cancer, for God's sakes, can we do something about cancer, please? Can we do something about cancer? Uh, but um, Bo Biden, who served our country honorably, he absolutely deserves every credit for serving this country. And he served in Iraq. He came back home. And when he came back home, he got into the world of politics, into the family business, if you will. And then his cancer was discovered. He had brain cancer and he passed away five years after he had come back. So it wasn't like he was killed in the war, unless, of course, you are Joe Biden and you're talking about it. Soldiers of campaign learned to scale rock, ski and survive, preparing for the war they were about to fight. The pivotal moment came, as the senator pointed out, in February 1945. Surprise ally attack in the mountains in Italy. Imagine, it's pitch black, punishing cold. The mission high in the mountains that hinged on the skill, strength, and stamina that could have only been gained in a place like this. This is the training center, I believe, for the 10th Mountain Division, some of the more elite warriors in our military. So Joe's out there talking about it because they're expanding it and I believe adding some uh, a name to the training facility. But this is where he drifted off course. They're more than ready. They were more than ready that day and since then. American soldiers of the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured, captured key positions, and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean it sincerely, I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. No. No, sir. He did not lose his life in Iraq. Your son served bravely, and the tragedy of his life was years later, he developed cancer. Years later, he did not die in combat. We should give Bo Biden every honor and prayer he deserves for volunteering to serve his country and doing so. But he did not lose his life in Iraq. Why does this man insist on telling these tall tales? Is it the grief? Is it a father's grief? Could it be that? Could it be his age? He's about to turn 80 
and the White House is confused about how they should celebrate. They really don't know. They're trying to figure it out. Because if you don't celebrate it, we'll talk about it. But if you do celebrate it, you're pointing to the fact that Joe Biden is the oldest president in the history of the country. And that can't be good because we have all these examples of things Joe Biden has said that just don't make any sense, like this most recent one. You know, the guy just, he's, he's not always there. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. Yeah, examples happen almost daily. And that is the sad reality of it. Now, we also have uh, economic news that's happening today that should have some effect, some sway on the midterm elections. We got the um, consumer price index after yesterday's producer price index went up. Uh, We saw this up month to month again. We were expecting it to be 0.2%. Expecting 0.2% from the previous month of 0.1% when Joe came out and said inflation was virtually zero, which it wasn't. Because year over year, we're still getting hit by horrible inflation. But uh, the monthly number was up four-tenths of a percent. Double what was expected. And then year over year means we're way up again. And if you take out food and energy costs in the consumer price index, which I don't understand why you say that. Because as a consumer, food is really kind of important and energy to go get the food is also vital too. So if you take out the food and energy costs, they say, well, it wasn't that bad. It was 6.9. Well, that's a new high, the highest since 1982. The absolute highest since 1982. We now again have inflation at a 40-year high. It's hitting people everywhere. And then the money people are earning is not rising. Salaries are only up like 3%. So you're really getting hammered. And it's not good. And the economy is a concern to a majority of Americans. And who's in charge? Democrats. Now, there was some news for seniors, and there's apparently 75 million people who are drawing Social Security. They will get in January... An 8.7% increase, the highest in 40 years as well, which works out to about $140 more for every one of the people who is on Social Security. Now, that's going to have an effect on the budget, too. That's going to have an effect on the deficit as well. And our, our Treasury Secretary doesn't seem to have problems with any of this. As a matter of fact, Janet Yellen, who really needs to be removed from her job. Our Treasury Secretary seems to think the United States is doing very well. She talked about the world and about the U.S. Um, We still see the impact of uh, COVID in China and the slowdown in Chinese growth. And um, with high inflation and tightening monetary policy in many advanced countries, um, emerging markets from really all of these factors are suffering um, many stresses. So there's a lot to talk about. But from the perspective of the United States, I think the United States is doing very well. No, no, we're not doing very well. 
We're not. And it's the problems that were created by your administration, by your people, not just the president, the vice president, but the people in Congress who are in control right now. It cannot be denied what we are dealing with today. You cannot look the other way. Um, Airline tickets up 43%, about to go up more. That was the news we got yesterday. Energy costs up 33%, eggs 31 Gas is up at least 18%. Chicken, 17 Coffee, 15 Milk, bread at 14 and 15 And everything else at 8.2%. Hmm. I wonder if anyone's going to wake up. Wake up and realize that a vote for a Democrat is a vote for more of that. Now, here's the weird part. The mainstream media is already starting to say, ah, I think the uh, Republicans are going to win this. And over at MSNBC, Chris Hayes said possibly the craziest, dumbest thing I've ever heard from a liberal host on that channel. He is predicting that if the Republicans win control of one or both houses of Congress, they will sabotage the economy to set them up to retake the White House. Let that sink in. You're probably saying, no, Mike, that... That could not have happened. They they can't be saying that. So the Democrats who have since Joe Biden has taken uh, control and the Democrats have taken control of the government have seen our inflation go up double digits for the past 18 months. It's up only up 8.4 percent the last year. Uh, They now are saying. Well, if you elect those evil Republicans, they're going to crash the economy. The economy's already in the lake. The car is sinking to the bottom. You guys put it there. Here's Chris Hayes. The midterms only 27 days away. Republicans appear to think they have the advantage on the economy. Big part of that is just the the, the party that's out of power, uh, because the party that is out of power doesn't have the White House, will typically run against the status quo. Yeah, because you guys controlled everything and spent us into this hell, but continue. And right now, a big part of the status quo is inflation. People don't like it. (laughs) According to the latest tracking poll, the economy is the number one issue people would like to hear candidates talk about ahead of abortion and immigration. But if the economy is the number one issue to voters, then there is one party that will have an incentive to make it better. And that party is the one that has the presidency. The Democrats. The other side, the Republicans, have an explicit incentive to make the economy worse. Now, think about what this guy just said. The Democrats have had control now for two years. And he's saying that they would have an incentive to improve the economy. No, they had that incentive before. And what did they do? They spent us into oblivion. And he's saying, but if those Republicans get in there, they have... They have the, uh, the incentive to crash the economy so they can win the White House. If you ran a blender, that's right, a blender, something that's on your counter to make margaritas against Joe Biden, the blender would win. These people are crazy. This is some of the craziest stuff I have ever seen. Almost as crazy as thinking that John Fetterman, the, um, the lieutenant governor in the state of Pennsylvania, could be the 
actual senator from that state based on his current condition and his his current policies. None of this makes sense. Now, an NBC News reporter named Dasha Burns talked with John Fetterman and she told the truth about his condition and demonstrated what happens because he has to read that that uh, teleprompter that takes what's being said and types it out on a screen for him. And yesterday's podcast, we talked about how weird that's going to be because dictation never screws up, does it? No, never, never, never. And you wonder how this guy's going to be in negotiations and in those meetings where he's going to have to tote around his little screen. I don't think he's ready. And Dasha Burns has been getting called out by her friends in the liberal media. Well, she also told us that she's asked for the medical records and and she asked Fetterman why she can't get them. So you say you're on the road to full recovery, but right now voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? Well, I, I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways. When our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to, to be uh, running. I mean, respectfully. That- now, there's an edit there. I want to know what he said after that. But that segment was edited there and the camera cuts back to the reporter and she asks another question here. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? Being on in front of thousands and thousands of of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's it's really the issue. Now, that answer, which didn't make any sense, should make the demand for the letter from his doctor, his current status, even more important. But I don't know if we're going to get it. I, I just don't know. Chris Matthews, remember him, Tingles, the guy who had the thrill up his leg when he saw Barack Obama speak? We call him Tingles. Tingles uh, was called into MSNBC because they're still paying him. He has to show up every now and then and make some opinions. And he was talking about the Dasha Burns interview of John Fetterman. Check this out. The Dasha, her interview is wonderful technique. Yeah. She was soft. She was reasonable. Mm-hmm. And she asked reasonable questions of a guy who cannot answer the question because he has to look at the monitor. Uh, this is a great question. I mean, if the Republicans are smart, they'll say, how's this gonna guy going to debate for Pennsylvania on the Senate floor? Oh, oh, Chris Matthews is telling the truth. He better be careful. Mika Brzezinski is going to shank him. Kenny, is he going to bring a monitor on with him? I mean, they, they can be really rough. Now, so far, they're hitting him on crime. And even my brother was saying, I'm not going to a Phillies game. Hmm. It's too dangerous to go downtown. But there's a lot of that talk in the suburbs. So they're going to tie him to crime and the long-term prisoners that he's defended. And they're going to tie him up with that. But still, you got a problem with Oz being from somewhere else. From So they keep trying to go back to this thing that Oz was from somewhere else. Never mind the fact that Hillary Clinton was a carpetbagger from Arkansas who got elected to be the senator of New York when she really never lived there until after she got elected 
never mind that. But Chris Matthews brings up a really, really important point that the policies of Fetterman should be absolutely exploited, as well as his inability to do the job. It's the policies that really matter. The guy is an out-and-out socialist who wants to empty the prisons. And uh, he, uh, he, Matthews, talks about longtime prisoners when he's really talking about murderers. Not just longtime prisoners. These are murderers that Fetterman wants let out. And since we're talking about Chris Matthews, our friends over at uh, MRC put out a great clip from Chris Matthews from May of 2019. I just got to share this with you. I guess the question is, once he's testified before Mr. Mueller's uh, special counsel investigation, how can he now say, I won't make the same testimony in public claiming executive privilege? I think it is sort of like virginity Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Once you start talking about a matter in your in your jurisdiction and then you say oh i'm not doing it anymore you can't do it once you've started so i understand that's how executive privilege works once you've given it up you can't grab it back now matthews was talking to kamala harris at this point she was not the vp she was not even the vp nominee she was a presidential hopeful but he made this weird weird analogy about executive privileges like losing your virginity Once you've given it up, you can't grab it back. Kamala responded. How do you see it? Mm, I'm not going to go with you on that metaphor, Chris. Okay. But I will say this. Dick Durbin did an excellent job. Yeah, Kamala cackled through it. And Dick Durbin has never done an excellent job. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, One more interesting clip about what's going on in the media. There are all kinds of little debates happening around the country as some of these candidates are sitting down across from each other in local markets. And uh, this happened in Minnesota, where a Democrat named Angie Craig was facing off with a Republican named Tyler Kistner. And uh, Miss Craig kind of got the... um, players and the parties mixed up here i will never stop standing up for big pharma and standing against my constituents oopsie i would make that a campaign ad tomorrow mr kistner i would have this in short ads running 10 second ads with your name on the front and back and say elect angie craig and this is what you'll get i will never stop standing up for big pharma and standing against my constituents. Yep. Yeah. That's what you have to look forward to. If you elect Angie Craig, how amazing is that? (laughs) All right. uh, We have Lauren fix the car coach joining us, but I also have to share with you something that was just absolutely beautiful, fun, entertaining. And it's because it bothered AOC. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. So that was from a town hall that AOC held in the Bronx yesterday, and she actually got heckled. She got heckled by her constituents, and there weren't that many in attendance. There was a handful, I'd say fewer than 50 people showed up in an auditorium that would probably hold a 1,000. 
And she started getting heckled by this guy who was talking about there won't be any neighbors if we get hit by a nuclear bomb. And then another guy stood up and let AOC have it good. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? He's telling the right truth. You have done nothing. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you, and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment, and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Yes or no? I find this fascinating because this is some of the uh, stuff that was used to get AOC elected, this kind of tactic of demanding an answer right now. And AOC really couldn't handle it. Hecklers in her own district. It was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. All right, before we get Lauren Fix, the car coach in here, uh, two more little clips here uh, with the, um, the numbers on inflation that aren't really good, and they're warning us that, it's going to get worse. Uh, we go back in time since it's a throwback Thursday. We go back to when Joe Biden told us just a couple of days ago on CNN. It's not going to be a recession. And if it is, it won't be bad. But you just said that a slight recession is possible. It is possible. Look, it's possible. I don't anticipate it. But I do think, look. We talk about the impact on families. The families are, they have reason to be concerned about energy prices. They have reason to be concerned about a whole range of issues. But look what we've done. We've Yeah, you've raised the prices on everything, you bobo. Every stinking thing. The prices have gone up everywhere. Should he run again? Should he run again? Let's ask John Fetterman. Should uh, Joe Biden run again in 2024? I think that should be a decision made by Joe Bin. Joe Bin. That's the guy right there, Joe Bin. And what about the great Rachel Maddow, the matriarch of MSNBC? She was on uh, with that uh, Andy guy from uh, The Real Housewives, That the guy who's the wizard of all things over at that channel, which I don't watch any of that stuff. I can't watch any housewife show. But Rachel Maddow was asked, who should the Democrats run in 2024? Who can win? Who do you think should be? Who has the best chance for the Democrats of winning the next presidential election? Joe Biden. Really? Yes. I, li listen, this whole idea of like, oh, the president doesn't have a perfect approval rating or there's things that people complain about about the president. Therefore, we shouldn't. You know what? A lot of Democrats ran for president. There's a reason that he won. Yeah. Uh, Clyburn had the fix in because they had to kibosh Bernie Sanders or things would have even been worse and they would have lost the House and the Senate. That's the reason he won. She didn't hesitate, though, when asked. And she's actually looking forward to a uh, Biden-Trump rematch. Listen to this. In 2020, lots of people tried to be the presidential candidate instead of him. He beat them all, and he would do it again. And who do you think is the Republicans' best chance? Ooh. Most Republican voters, I mean, a plural, well, not even a plurality, 
more Republican voters want Trump than want any other Republican. Oh. Therefore, <laughs> I'm saying this in a self-interested way, they should run Donald Trump because I think he'd get his butt handed to him. You do? Well, I don't, I mean, Ron DeSantis, really? I mean, who else are they going to? Do you remember when Jared Kushner was working for Trump in the White House, but nobody had ever heard him speak? Yes. And then finally, like a year into it, he went and gave a press conference and he's Jared Kushner and we've never heard from him. He uh, walks up to the microphone and he goes, Hi, I'm Jared Kushner. You, that's I, what's going to happen to I DeSantis. I feel the same way with DeSantis. Wow. People think DeSantis is this character. And then he walks up to the microphone and he's like, I'm Ron DeSantis. And I'm here. He just it doesn't, it's no compute. Really? You really think Ron DeSantis sounds like that? Hmm. We're going to have to send Rachel Maddow some clips of Ron DeSantis, especially when he faces off with reporters, especially when he shuts down the mainstream media reporters who say absolutely dumb things. Here's a guy who's still working nonstop since the hurricane. Seems like every single day he's doing press conferences and getting out there and talking to the people and encouraging the people who are doing the rebuilding. And I, I just think these guys, they're, they're grasping at straws, these Democrats, because they don't get it. They wish they had a governor like Ron DeSantis. I just think that we have so many people uh, that are here working hard, trying to pull themselves up. So many people we need to be helping. We should be focusing on what we can do to do good. We should be focusing on lifting people up. Yeah. Sounds like a normal guy. Doesn't sound like a cartoon voice, but go ahead. You're on the left. You're allowed to mock people and not be canceled because you're duplicitous. All right, let's get her in here. Lauren Fix the Car Coach next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend Lauren Fix the Car Coach is here, and that makes me happy. I'm always happy to speak to Lauren because I learned something, and it doesn't cost me anything, and it usually saves me money. And Lauren listens to my strange questions about the automotive world. So, Lauren, uh, are you prepared for me today? Oh, I'm locked and loaded. Go for it. <laughs> that makes me happy to hear. Nothing like hearing a woman say she's locked and loaded. That's that's music <laughs> to my ears. Lauren, uh, before we get to your stuff, I have to ask you, um, what's going on with this uh, this car company, Rivian, and what's going on with Polestar, another EV company? Well, Polestar, we'll start with that. Polestar is Volvo. So you may not realize that, but that is one of the companies that has been doing well in the electric car business. They've been they've been ahead for a long time in safety. But Polestar is now, instead of just making sedans, which is where they first hit the market, and, and believe me, those sales aren't like, oh my gosh, it's Ford. No, Polestar is a subsidiary of Volvo that is about all EVs. So that's their plan. And so they have an SUV coming out. Um, I, I, I'm so worried about all these companies going 100% all in on uh, EVs. Hmm. It's just this could be challenging if things shift. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a shift because I can hear it coming. I can feel it coming. I'm talking to people behind the scenes. Look at the cost of electricity doubling in many areas, tripling. And now you got gasoline prices rising. This is going to be interesting. But the Polestar 3, just so you hit that, the SUV is really cool looking. 
Um, if you haven't seen the name Polestar, just go online. It's Polestar, P-O-L-E-S-T-A-R.com if you're interested in electric vehicles. Uh, on the Rivian side, every single Rivian built was recalled because of a steering arm that was not potentially not tightened. Huh. And you don't, if you own one or you know someone does, please tell them to get it fixed because if it fails, you're going to find yourself in an accident. So, and, and that's not unusual in the car business. That happens, right? Yeah, it does. But so every single Rivian, and these are not cheap cars. These are these are um, they're bigger. They're not sedans, right? They're like SUVs or trucks. Right. The first one is the R1T, which is a pickup truck. I'll be driving the R1S, which is the SUV next week. Uh, but the Rivian Recall is something that, you know, is out there. If you just put in Rivian Recall into your favorite browser, you will find that there's some information on it. I think the big thing that people need to understand is every car maker has little things that happen. But when you're only producing a small amount of vehicles, that's when you really need to think about, you know, okay, we're only making a small amount, so we really need to be uh, producing, you know, product that doesn't have issues. Nobody has that. Lucid's had issues. Tesla's had issues. Uh, and so this all just part of owning a car business, which is why when Apple said they were going to build cars, I'm like, you really want to build cars, huh? It's not <laughs> and, like building phones. Are, you gonna, like are, they gonna, phones. <laughs> are they going to be made in China by children and slaves? Uh, no, I'm not saying Apple does that, yeah. but we know the labor force in China is suspect. Uh, all right, Lauren, what are we learning yeah. this week? What are you teaching us this week? This week, it's Friday segment is something I've talked about before, and I have, I'm going to actually do another one, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. First, we're talking about flood-damaged cars. Now, we've seen millions of flood-damaged cars in the past from Hurricane Irma and Katrina, Rita, and Sandy. And there's a bunch of them, but we've got – we don't have exact numbers yet. It's, it's a lot of cars, hundreds of thousands of cars from Hurricane Ian, because remember, it went up the Naples coast into Fort Myers, across northern Orlando, then up the east coast of Florida, and kept on going. So there's a lot of flood-damaged cars. And sometimes it's not even a hurricane. To give you an idea, there was last year there was flooding that was in New York City. If you lived in the, in the Brooklyn area, just out of the blue, suddenly, boom, there's flooding. So what do you do is you call your insurance company first. Find out if you have coverage. If you have coverage and you're good, Get rid of the car. Don't start the car. Don't do anything till the insurance adjuster comes out. But the best thing you can do is take photos, lots of photos of the flood water, how high it was, how bad it was, because you're going to need that documentation when they come out and go, I don't see where the water was there. And you're like, oh, I got pictures of that. And you want that intentionally, because if you don't um, and there's additional damage, you won't get paid out. Mostly what it will do because of the cost to repair that and the impossibility of getting parts means that you'll probably just get a check and they'll take your vehicle and tow it away, which is the best thing. And they should destroy it. Unfortunately, there are cars that are high end and low end from McLarens and Porsches to everyday SUVs and cars. They hit salvage yards. They're supposed to be totaled and they do what's called a title wash, which means they take the title and they register it in another state like Pennsylvania, with different rules and regulations. Then they send it to Alabama. Then they send it to Colorado and suddenly that marking that said it was flood damage is gone. Hmm. And there are millions of cars out there that could find their way into your hands. So you look at a car and go, oh, that's a nice looking car. You know, it's got a good price. And you open the door and maybe it's got new carpeting or new seat belts, or maybe it's got a lot of perfumed smell inside, like that new car smell. We all think what we want. Low mileage, everything looks great. Yeah, don't, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we've talked about the flooded cars from the hurricane, but the really most important thing you brought up here is the photo thing. Because the floodwaters will go away and you want to document, you want to have proof of life, as they say. Yes. So get a newspaper with the date on it and put oh, it in the idea. picture. Yeah, that's that's an easy way to prove that it's not an old photo. And it's right. just something that's real easy and cheap to do. So be smart about that. Always but great be advice. Careful with electric cars. Yeah. Electric cars are bad. We've had, well, I, I was at Naples during the storm. Um, we were okay, no damage, but I will tell you, that while I was there for two weeks, we had over a dozen electric vehicles catch fire. They actually implode. Hmm. Salt water is so dangerous. Remember, the average cost of an electric car is $66,000. So who owns them? People with more money. And where do they typically live? In the more, you know, better neighborhoods, on the water, that kind of stuff. So keep that in mind. Salt water damages electric vehicles. You, you're an electric car owner that lived near near salt uh, water. Uh, recovering, recovering Recover. electric car owner. Please, <laughs> please don't put that label on me, Lord. That is my regret tattoo, as they say. It's, you're well. That, you know what? I, that's very funny. As long as it wasn't a tramp stamp, I guess you're okay. No. Um, there's one other thing I want to bring up real quick, and we're waiting to see what's going to happen. And I'm sure you're going to cover this, so make sure to continue listening to Mike's. Um, regular podcasts and reports, but the railway strike that we talked about that oh, was supposedly yeah. averted. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? The largest union said no. Yeah. So we are talking about a potential disaster on the U S economy. If this rail union deal is rejected and people need to be paying attention to that because if it happens, that means more than, okay, there's no Amtrak, which is not good, but we're talking about, bad things what gets transport transported by rail like everything cars oil gas construction materials and so that would make everything even more expensive and the cost of diesel is on the rise so we are looking at everything getting more expensive and that means booming inflation numbers so please pay attention to what's going on but mind you they got a killer deal they got a deal of a 24 oh, yeah. percent raise and a five thousand dollar bonus and they go yeah, that's good enough. We want more. I'm like, wow. I'm talking about greed. Yeah, we that's we crazy. we we've talked about that. But here's the weird kicker on that: the union moved the final drop dead date till after the midterms. So, um, yeah, they they're not going to be able to strong arm the uh, Biden and the rail companies and the Democrats ahead of the midterms. But it's going to be a lingering thing. So this is looming out there. Lauren, before we rock and roll, what are you driving this week? What's next up on the Lauren test drive? I just drove the brand new 2023 uh, Toyota Corolla. There's three different versions and a new hybrid engine. Gets like 50 miles to the gallon. So hmm. it's pretty impressive what you're getting for $20,000. $21,000 is where the price starts. Uh, we're driving the new Highlander hybrid today and the, the Toyota Crown, which I think is a cool looking car. So if you're thinking you want an SUV, but you really don't want an SUV, you kind of would like to have some car-related, you know, something in between, check out the Toyota Crown. They have not hit dealers yet, but they will, and you can find reviews and information online. I did a walk around a few weeks ago, but I'll be actually test driving it this week, and I'm looking forward to it. The Toyota Crown. Get your queen a crown, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I like that. That would be an ad, you know, that that should be an ad, although I'd be accused of being uh, sexist. Too sexist. Yeah. Uh, too bad. Toyota's doing some cool things. They're paying attention. They will not go all EV. Mr. Toyota, who is the president of uh, Toyota 
globally, so we are not going all EVs. Very smart move. Very good. Because those that do and those that get rid of cars are going to be the ones that are going to pay the price down the road, and they're going to be scrambling when things change. That is so true. Uh, check out Lauren Fix. You have to go to Lauren's social media account. She's all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But go to YouTube, to the Car Coach Reports channel, and subscribe. Get the four-minute Friday every week, plus all the other cool stuff Lauren's up to. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you.